I'll say this for him, he's consistent. Well, he's been so consistent all year. Not the taste, the consistency. Consistently, yes. Consistency! Thanks, losers. And welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Consistency Show. As always, I'm your host, Bob Lung, here on this side of the glass. On the other side of the glass, we got a couple of our favorite co-hosts we have here every week so far this season. Well, on and off. Uh, We've had some weird schedules and stuff going on, but one side of the glass, Ron Rigney, coming to us from Florida, and on the other side of the glass, gave it to... David Katari. Why do I screw his name up? I always screw up the David part. That's the sad. I'm so worried about Katari that I screw up the David. So David, Ron, how are we doing, guys? Excellent, man. Doing good, doing good. Um, we have NFL tonight, which is weird on a Tuesday. Yeah, I was just going to just, yeah. just say, uh, this is definitely the first time I've done a Tuesday night podcast, <laughs> and I've had to be concerned about the fact that there's an NFL game going yeah. on, and it's not the playoffs or something. Even the playoffs, yeah. they don't do Tuesday night. So I, I, it, I myself was not brave enough to start anybody tonight because I was not confident that they would play, so I'm I, not really, yep. I don't have a lot riding on tonight, which is... The, the good thing was I, I was able to get a lot of victories without tonight's guys, so I was able to actually do pretty well this weekend. But uh, about five minutes ago, the Rays' first pitch was at 8:40, and they are about to go up three to nothing tonight over those lowly, cheating Astros. And we love that when we can stick it to those Absolutely. Astros. Yeah. So yeah, we got our first uh, uh, excitement when we watched them beat down the dreaded Yankees that everybody, yes. especially those from Northeast Ohio, hate. Um, even if they're not in our division, we still hate them. Uh, so yes, it, the, uh, as I said before last week, I said the entire country, except for the Northeast, uh, Eastern part of the United States is rooting for the Rays. Uh, so, uh, David, you're from Connecticut, right? From New Hampshire, actually. New Hampshire. Close, okay. Close. So, so I assume you're a Red Sox fan then. Yes or no? I'm not really into baseball, to be honest. Okay. I, just, I like to play it. I don't like to watch it. It's too slow for me. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, I, I actually was playing it in the summer league for 15 older, but my body is breaking down, and <laughs> most the most exercise I can get is flapping my jaws here at, on on the radio. So, um, so anyway, so yeah, we're excited about the Rays. Want them to beat those cheating Astros, and yeah, and then hopefully they can go and then beat down the horribly expensive uh, Dodgers on top of the Yankees and the mm-hmm. small market. Victory for all of us can come true again. So we're well. I, I needed that. something to cheer me up over the weekend as as yeah. the Colts went to Cleveland and laid an egg and it looked absolutely yeah, terrible. And Philip Rivers looked like Philip Rivers, and so yeah. I needed something to bring me up a little bit. So the Rays were able to do that for me. Yeah, I mean the positive side was you know I'm a Browns fan, so it's all good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I watched a little bit of it, and you know I kept you know I kept waiting for him to blow it. I'm so see that's the thing when you're a Browns fan, you're kind of like <laughs> it's only twenty seven twenty. I'm sure we could do something stupid, but. No, we actually pulled it off, and yeah. uh, so far so good. Best first four and one start since nineteen ninety. They say nineteen ninety six. No, ninety four. And you know who the head coach was that year? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. And that was the year we went eleven five, made the playoffs. Somehow with Terry Metcalf as our running back. I don't know, or not Terry Metcalf, Eric Metcalf. Eric Metcalf, yeah. Yeah, the, the returns on Stefanski look great so far, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's doing the right thing, calling good plays, keeping Baker in, in, contained, and even though he's got some ribs 
issues. He looked a little rough at the end of that game, but uh, we'll see how it all works out. So, All right, so let's talk about some football while football is being played, which is a rarity for us, except when we used to do our Thursday night show. But anyway, we start off, of course, uh, as we do every Tuesday, uh, with the excitement that David Katari's new uh, article is up, uh, the Week 6 Consistent Waiver Ad. So, David, uh, pick one of the five that you have on there when everybody else can go and read it at Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Um, I will get the link posted up on Twitter, and we can reshare the crap out of that too. I uh, just got it posted just before we got on the air. so uh, But it's up, and uh, why don't you tell us maybe one of your favorite picks this week uh, that people can grab off the waiver wire. Um, well, I'm going to start. It was basically a quarterback and wide receiver week this this week. Uh, Madison, obviously, if he's out there, you're picking him up. Mm-hmm. So we don't really need to touch on him. The guy I really want to highlight, and this is obviously a one quarterback league ad, but he's still available in over 50% of leagues, and that's Justin Herbert. Really? And still available? That, that is pretty yeah, Not available crazy. in my leagues. <laughs> and it's, it's basically strictly in one quarterback leagues, mm-hmm. but... Really, it's I want to just harp on it because right now he is quarterback eight in points per game. Right, he yeah. has he has more points than Matt Ryan right now, and he didn't even play week one. He played in one less game. He has two points less than Drew Brees right now, and he played in one less game. He's got weekly quarterback finishes of QB thirteen, QB nineteen, QB seven, and QB three. So, I think. We really need to start taking this guy a lot more seriously. You can still probably trade from if you can trade a Breeze for a Herbert. Absolutely, I would go out and try and do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Breeze, actually, I was kind of worried. He looked so bad at the beginning of last night, and I had him in a number of leagues that I needed him to do well. And, and I was like, oh, God, here we go. You know, But luckily he came through and you know put up some decent points at the end. But, no, that's great. Yeah, and, and Herbert's just looked great. And, uh yeah, he's helped Keenan Allen look much better, except Keenan Allen got hurt. So we'll see how that all goes. But, yeah, it seems like every time one of my guys are doing well in a the game, they seem to get hurt. So I, I never want to see a quick touchdown at the beginning of a game because then it means, like, oh, they're going to go down something. But it's been rough. I, I'm sure you guys have experienced it as well. I said basically the guy that wins the or girl that wins uh, their fantasy league this year will be the one that has the least amount of injuries for the least amount of games. So um, I don't know how that's working out for you guys, but it's not doing well for me. <laughs> Anyway, all right, well, let's move into the consistency for the week. We are through week five, and we take a look at the quarterbacks here as we look at our year-to-day consistency. Of course, you can get this exact same report, print it off, download it, print it off right off the Internet off BigGuyFantasySports.com. It is called, of course, the Consistency Tool or Clutch Tool, uh, Clutch Report that gives you the consistency. And, of course, you can put in your own scoring method, have it recalculate, export, boom, there it is. You can see the consistency of the player. So this is uh, the scoring in this is uh, PPR for uh, all the positions, and then for quarterbacks it's four points passing touchdown. We still have a few hundred percent consistent quarterbacks, three of them that are five for five, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and then at four for four we have Josh Allen. Of course, he's playing tonight. Uh, am I right? Yeah, playing tonight. Yes. Um, how's yes. he doing so far out there, guys? I haven't 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 had a chance to look at it. Um, he was off to a decent start. I mean, he's not setting the world on fire. I know he had a touchdown and an interception, I believe, earlier. So ten to twenty-one for one twenty-four at the half. 
Yeah, not, not yeah. great, but not terrible. Not great, yeah. Well, it's not a clutch game yet. He's got to get over 21 and a half points, so we'll see if he gets there. Uh, the other one is Aaron Rodgers, uh, of course, who also didn't have a game this week. So um, we'll see how that continues. I mean, I don't think we're surprised by Wilson, Murray, Mahomes. Um, you know, Maybe Josh Allen a little bit. I think we've talked about him in the past. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers obviously playing with a big chip on his shoulder this year. Uh, has been tearing it up pretty well. Uh, yeah, David, yeah. what are your thoughts on those top four? Fitzpatrick at, at 80% consistency. I mean, yeah, well, that's, I, pre- that's pretty good for a guy who's been written off by just about everyone. Well, and and, uh, and, and so good point. So, you know, I think I, I agree with you. We don't need to go talk about these guys. We know that they're top. They, they're all drafted pretty high. But you're right. It's the 80% guys that really are surprising. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Gardner Minshew. I mean, Uncle Rico, we don't expect. I mean, Justin Herbert at 75%. Roethlisberger at 75%. Now, Roethlisberger was definitely a guy that, uh, from the consistency guide, you'll remember that I really hyped on, hey, if you want to grab a really solid backup who could end up being your starter, grab Roethlisberger because he's coming back. He's healthy. The team is healthy. You know, Juju's back. He's healthy. They got these youngsters in Claypool to go along with Juju to take the pressure off him. Um, you know, uh, they also have Deontay Johnson. So, uh, you know, a lot of talent there. Um, I don't have to ask Ron who his favorite of those guys are because we all know it's Uncle Rico. But what are your thoughts, Ron, on these guys in this uh, 75 80% range? Well, we were talking a little bit earlier about Justin Herbert. And, you know, one of the things I've been able to do in one of my Superflex leagues, and I've actually felt really, really good about this, which I never thought I would do, is I'm starting Ryan Fitzpatrick and Justin Herbert as my quarterback in my flex, and <laughs> I'm doing pretty well with that. And I'll that's bet. over um, a couple weeks. I've done that over uh, the starting Deshaun, starting Deshaun Watson as well. Mm. I'm sitting there at sixty percent, so he's been a little bit streaky. But <laughs> I think I think the biggest yeah the biggest surprise is Ryan Fitzpatrick, just because you know you would expect him at this point in the season, starting five games, to have about fifteen interceptions right now. And I say he only has five. He's averaging one a game, which that's pretty good for him. But mm-hmm. he's also completing 70% of his passes as well, which is, is, is pretty pretty solid stats, seven touchdowns. He's, he's got a few sneaky weapons in there. Devontae Parker is doing Devontae Parker things like he did last year. He's continuing that, keeping right. that going. Mike Gesicki's looking solid. Preston I dropped Williams. Mike Preston Williams, I dropped Mike Kosicki in one of my leagues, so that's probably why he's playing so well. <laughs> right, um, is, right. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that, I think that's the only guy really at the top there. You know, you said the guys at the top there. I'd love to see Kyler Murray doing well because I have him on both my Kings Classic teams. And then Gardner Minshew. David wrote about one of his up-and-coming targets, LaVisca mm-hmm. Chenault. Love me some LaVisca Chenault in every format. Right. If you don't have him, we'll get him now because uh, he's not going to be out there for very long. But, you know, right right there in that 9 to 12 range, there's 11 range, there's a couple of guys that are a little bit surprising, but nothing really earth-shattering, I don't think. So let's look at the other side of the of the picture here and the guys that are not doing as well as we wanted them to. It's I think the most glaring obvious one is the quarterback at number 13 who is only 2 for 5, 40% consistent. The fact that he's only 13th in total points is even more amazing because he basically was ran away last year with the total points uh and was also in about 90% consistent, but has the league already figured out Lamar Jackson, David? Don't take it that far. <laughs> we're, winning, we're winning games. We're handling teams. We're playing well. We're playing with big leagues. 
There's no need to put Lamar Jackson at excessive risk here. He only has one rushing touchdown on the year so far. We know that number is going to come up. I mean, the passing touchdowns, we knew the regression was going to come. But you look at the last three games, 97 passing yards, 193, 180. Even for Lamar Jackson, those are low numbers. They're going to come up. Right. No, and, and like you said, they're winning. But that doesn't matter to us fantasy people. Come on, David. We all know that. It's all about putting up the points, man. <laughs> we don't care how you win. You just have to put up points for us because that's what it's all about. We don't care about winning or losing the NFL. We care about our fantasy teams, man. <laughs> that's fair, though. But we we got to talk about the games. They were facing the Redskins in one game. Right. Um, the Houston Texans, they were handling well. Cincinnati last week, they completely dominated. You look right. at the schedule coming up, they have Philadelphia, the Colts, New England, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Dallas, um, back to Cleveland again, Jacksonville. These games are going to be a little bit closer. I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring. You're going to see uh, the real Lamar Jackson unleashed a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody's hoping so. Um, also down there, as we, I talked a little bit earlier, we talked about you know, benching him in some – I didn't bench him in some leagues, but I certainly was thinking about it because I'm like, oh, you know, he hasn't been doing that well. And that's Drew Brees. And the only reason I didn't bench him this week in some of my leagues where I had a, a, a solid choice, like I had one league where I had Roethlisberger, I could have started in front of him, that kind of stuff, was just because he was playing on TV on Monday night because he is such – you know, he's always been kind of a uh, – you know, I, I won't call it a media hog. He's, he's not that person, but he always seems to do well when he's on television, whether it's Monday night, Sunday night, whatever the case may be. Any of those national games, he always seems to kind of pick it up a notch. Now, granted, they had to come from behind. He didn't look great at the beginning, but, I mean, is Drew Brees going to turn this around? Are they going to start? Is it really all about the fact that he's missing Michael Thomas? Ron, your thoughts? I mean, it's, you know, we, we've seen this from him before, too. And, and I think, you know, when we, we talked last season and the season before, when we started to talk about the con-streaming concept with the quarterbacks, right. it seemed like Drew Brees would let us down in really, really good matchups. I know Colby and myself, a lot of times we would pick him and consistently cash in, and he's just not consistent, and it really didn't matter what the weapons were around him. He still had Michael Thomas. He still had, you know, Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, and he still was putting up some clunkers in, in situations where – he should do well. So I'm really not – I don't really have a feel for what causes Drew Brees to feel like he can beat anybody in the world some weeks, and then some weeks he comes out and lays an egg. I think Michael Thomas definitely would help. Emmanuel Sanders kind of stepped up and did that last night. But nonetheless, I think it's just a matter of Drew Brees just kind of slowing down, and, and I'm, I'm afraid that we're going to get to a point in the season where it's going to look like maybe Drew Brees has, has hung on just a little bit longer than what he needed to. Good point. That's a good point. All right, well, let's move into the running back positions. And just as you were talking, I just got a message on my phone, and I'm double-checking it on Twitter, and it looks like Uh, it is legit. Le'Veon Bell has been released by the New York Jets. At what point does any football team allow their coach, Adam Gates, who has done nothing except for maybe one year in his lifetime, to just completely demolish a team like this and tell his star football player, goodbye. I mean, I'm saying Le'Veon Bell is the Le'Veon Bell of three or four years ago, but he's got to be better than anything else they've got there. I, I don't get it, guys. A- a- anybody want to step up for 
Adam Gase and go, yeah, I think he's a cancer and he's got to go. Or not, I'm sorry, that Le'Veon Bell's got to go and that we're supporting Adam Gase because I can't. Unless you're, unless you're Jets ownership, yeah, unless you're Jets ownership who <laughs> claims that they're going to stick with him and he's their guy and they're going to stick to the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I don't think there's really anybody out there that's going to say anything close to that. What a crap show that has been. Wow, yeah. Thank you, New York Jets, for keeping the Cleveland Browns. Well, the Cleveland Browns have been playing well. So the one question for me that comes out of, out of this is LaMichael P. Ryan worth picking up? Is he even did, worth it? Is he even worth a stash? Oh, isn't Frank? Is Frank Gore still there? Yeah, yes. but we're, oh, Frank Gore's going to get the ball. We know what here. Frank Gore is. We know what. Well, Frank we, Gore yeah, is Frank Gore point. is obviously um, is obviously Adam Gase's stepson. Uh, <laughs> it's, it was from a law. It was from a third bad marriage that happened. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the only guy that seems to stay on the teams for Adam Gase is is, is him. So I got to believe he's somehow related. I don't know. Let's let's move on to actual fantasy. Uh, yeah, yeah, wow. I, I can't even imagine some Jets fans um, out there right now. Uh, Howard Bender's got to be just losing his mind. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the running back positions. Um, uh, the usual guys are up top. Alvin Kamara, Zico Elliott, uh, Dalvin Cook. Um, Aaron Jones is four for four. We'll, we'll come back to him. Uh, Kareem Hunt, five for five. Um, you know, we all, I like Kareem Hunt. I had him as definitely a good pick. I wanted to give him a lot of leagues, but I always wanted to give him as my RB3. Guess I should have taken him as my RB2, um, or I should have gotten, I should have gotten him in more. Um, you know, Raheem Mostert came back. That was exciting. He got his clutch game, so he's three for three. Uh, so there's still some 100% out there, but let's come back to Aaron Jones. You know, everybody thought, oh, okay, he can't put up the touchdowns. He can't do this. He can't do that. He's, you know, he's not going to be that top guy. He was going in the mid-second round. You know, I wish I would have drafted more of him, but I just kind of thought, well, you know, they they drafted uh, A.J. Dillon. I thought, well, maybe, you know, there, there's something there. They don't want him. They're going to leave him go or, or do whatever. Um, what is Aaron Jones doing right that's keeping him obviously fantasy perfect so far, David. He's catching the ball and he's scoring touchdowns, and I think that's that's really the only thing <laughs> that's that all you matters. Need. <laughs> yeah, right. But and but that, you that know, like it that seemed that like last so- year they were using Jamal Williams almost as much. It doesn't seem to be the case this year. They're really using Jones a lot more. Um, I, like they finally have made the decision. Oh yeah, he's good. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones is free, and let, let's just praise the Lord that it's finally happened. Yeah, right, exactly. All right, let's move down the list. Some guys that are 80%. we got Chris Carson. Uh, I don't think big surprise. Mike Davis is obviously the biggest surprise. Now, granted, he's filling in for Christian McCaffrey, but let's remember just a few years ago, Mike Davis, when he had to start for the Seattle Seahawks for a few games, he actually looked really good and I think was fairly consistent during that time where he held the starting line. It might have only been four or five games, but I think he was around, you know, 80%, four for five or three for five for sure. Um, so he's been looking good. Todd Gurley, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, no surprise. Jonathan Taylor, because he's gotten the starting job. Jarrett McKinnon, probably our biggest one. Ron, of those guys, and maybe there's some other ones at 75%, 85%, or 80%. 
any big any surprises that are bigger to you than even than a Jarrett McKinnon or somebody like that? Well, I'm going to go with my boy in uh, King's Classic Snake that I was able to add for I think absolutely zero dollars, and that's my guy Mike Christian Dave Caffrey. He's he's doing it all in Carolina. Mike Davis mm-hmm. has been gold for me in that league. Okay. Um, catching catching touchdowns. Got one on the ground as well, 84 and 89 yards last couple games. Has um, eight catches, first couple of starts, had nine out of the backfield. I think he scored me 30 points last week. So he's he's by far the, the biggest surprise for me. Um, you know, I just kind of grabbed him on a whim. Worked, has worked out beautifully. And, you know, kind of in that in that range, you know, you, you mentioned Jarek McKinnon. I think he's he, – it's kind of neat to see – Jared McKinnon doing what he's doing with all the injuries he's dealt with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think it's going to kind of be short-lived. You know, Raheem Mostert looked pretty good in his return last week. So we'll see about that. One thing I did want to add in real quick, though, since we're talking about the position, and we'll get to this guy later on for negative reasons, but I don't know if you guys saw um, the stiff arm that Derrick Henry put <laughs> on Josh Norman tonight. Yes. But um, <laughs> Josh Norman, I could see his soul leaving his body, I think, when he hit the ground. I mean, it, it was if you haven't seen that – by the time you're listening to this, please put this on pause. Go find it now. Um, just uh, unbelievable. Derrick Henry just absolutely gave the – that's one of the biggest five-finger stop signs I've ever seen in my life on Josh Norman. <laughs> yeah, he's a beast. All right, so let's look at some of the bad side, David. Uh, you know, as we scroll down this list, um, and I'm not even going to focus on the guys who are like 50% and got hurt, like Eckler and Chubb, because obviously they probably would have had, they could have earned a clutch game maybe in that game before they got hurt, but they didn't. Um, but I guess the one that a lot of people were high on, but we, I know we weren't, was Kenyon Drake. Uh, 31st in total points. He's played all five games, only 60%. Um, you know, this guy was going in the f- late first round, early second, in some leagues, especially early, most middle of the summer, he was definitely going that high. Um, I mean, are are you in on the Drake? Were you in on the Drake? Were you out on the Drake? <laughs> what was your thoughts on the Drake? <laughs> For me, I was all in on the Drake to start the offseason. I, I was buying in all over the place just based on last year and the three-down role that he had and the, the market share that he had of the running back touches and I think with Drake, just what's happened is it's it's been clear they've given the entire receiving role over to Chase Edmonds at this point. Mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake only has five targets in five games, five receptions in five games. Mm-hmm. So Chase Edmonds, on the other hand, I believe is 23 targets, like 16 receptions. Right. So it's it's just a problem, especially in PPR leagues, because that's that's where the allure with Kenyon Drake was. And right. Now, now he doesn't have any of that anymore. Luckily, he faces the Cowboys this week. I don't think you're going to be able to sell after this one good game he had against the Jets, but if, <laughs> if you can just pray and hope he has a two-touchdown game against the Cowboys, you might be able to get out on Kenny Drake. Right, and then Chase Edmonds, as you were talking. I had him in a few leagues, uh, some, especially a couple of them were dynasty leagues, and I kept him just for the reason I'm like, I don't know if Drake can you know, be the stud, and you know, he, he, he seems to get hurt a lot, and... And um, I'm starting to put him in now because he's kind of like what um, Kareem Hunt was for Adam or for uh, yeah for Nick Chubb. He's kind of like that pass catching guy, and they both have the same you know 27 points. Drake is you know there's only like a seven point difference. They're both three for five, so he's actually been 
you know, playing a flex spot for me in some leagues. So, all right, let's move on to the wide receivers, Ron, and uh, let's take a look at the good guys. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of them, um, and there are a lot of the names we know. DeAndre Hopkins, um, DK Metcalf is 5 for 5, Tyreek Hill's 5 for 5, C.D. Lamb. Uh, so probably C.D. Lamb is the one that we did not expect to be perfect after five games, uh, especially out of the three, let alone out of the entire NFL. We didn't know if he'd even be the top receiver out of the three guys in Dallas, but he has. Amari Cooper is actually uh, 1.6 points ahead of him. So there you go. But he's only four for five, so he's 80%. So, so they're pretty even, to say the least. But Dak went down this past week, gruesome injury, hated to see it. He's done for the year. Guess what? The Red Rifle is back. He's in Dallas, Texas. Isn't that pretty appropriate that the Red Rifle would be in Dallas, Texas? Uh, so what do we think will happen here with this team? Their defense is brutal. It can't stop anybody. So we got to believe Andy Dalton's going to be throwing the ball a lot. Might be, might be worth pick. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, David's got him in the waiver wire ads for tonight in the article. So make sure you check that mm-hmm. out again on Big Guy Fantasy Sports. So, Ron, what's your thoughts on the Red Rifle in Dallas? And will he be a rootin' tootin' cowboy? No, I think you just kind of answered your own question. They can't stop anyone, so they're right. going to have to throw, and anybody back there with a pulse and an arm is going to be able to put up some stats, especially when you have the three weapons that he's going to have at his disposal at receiver. You know, Dalton Schultz kind of laid an egg last week, but I don't look for that to be him to be that consistently bad. So I think that you're – and you'll, you'll see them rely, I think, a little bit more on Zeke Elliott, you know, getting him the ball in right. space and, and maybe – you know, that could be something where they could throw him some screens, things like that. But, yeah, I think he's going to see his workload increase a little bit. But that's not to say that they're not going to be in spots where they're going to have to throw quite a bit. So, yeah, if he's out there, especially in a 2QB league or a super flex league, I think he's definitely worth an ad because they're going to have to throw to keep up with the teams that they play. Gotcha. No, no question. Uh, so, David, we go to you. Who else you got in this list here, good or bad, um, that you kind of jumps out at you at this point that surprises you, like I said, in a good or a bad way so far after five games at the wide receiver spot? Um, I think if you have to talk about anyone, it's got to be Robbie Anderson at this point. He's sandwiched between Tyreek Hill and Allen Robinson and Tyler Lockett, and then Amari and CD. So just the jump that he's taken at this point, it's it's insane because you look at him at 80% consistency. DJ Moore on the flip side is down at 40%. So it's just been night and day with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And even though Moore got in the end zone and kind of the focus was on his revival this past week, Robbie Anderson still outproduced him. Right, right. No. And, I mean, remember last year, Curtis Samuel looked pretty good on the other side of DJ Moore because teams were trying to stop DJ Moore. Um, Obviously, Samuel is not as fast as Robbie Anderson and certainly – uh, he's certainly taken over that role, and I know that they actually were thinking about using Samuel as a running back a little bit, um, especially when they didn't know if Mike Davis was going to be the answer, but so far he has been, so uh, he certainly has fallen off the cliff. But no, you're right, that's a, that's a good one there. Ron, any other guys that uh, on the list surprise you from a consistency? I know one that jumps out at me and smacks me in the face, and and uh, he's Colt, one of Colby's favorite, and that's Will Fuller at 80% consistent. <laughs> Normally, this guy has a 50 or 60 point game, and then we don't hear from him for like 10 weeks. So that has been a surprise. But 
is it because there's no DeAndre Hopkins? So anybody, uh, anybody else on your side that kind of jumps out of you is good or bad? Well, Will Fuller, the, the thing that jumps out at me is the fact that they have they're, the Texans have played five games, and Will Fuller has played five games. That never happened. <laughs> that, that, so right. That could be the consistency yeah, so, of his actual not being hurt is more, be more impressive. That's definitely part of it. I mean, <laughs> it's good to see that he stayed healthy. He, he was one of the few things that worked for me last week and, and consistently cashing. Um, I'm going to go back up a little bit further to, to one of the guys that I, I kind of skipped over before, and that's DK Metcalf. And DK Metcalf is a guy that I love coming into this season, loved where I was getting him in drafts. A lot of times I was getting him as my wide receiver two very, very late, or even my wide receiver three in a couple right. places. He has surpassed Tyler Lockett on that team. He is the he is the lead dog. And if you watch any of that game against Minnesota, he looked every bit the part, and he's done it week in and week out. He's got a great veteran quarterback behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that's probably one that jumps out at me. But when you go a little bit further down the list, a guy that we didn't talk really about when we mentioned the 100% guys, it, you know, we were kind of dumping on the team earlier, is Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is the one Jeff that you want to mm-hmm. own because it seems like week in and week out, especially in a PPR, he, he's paying off for you. He's not scoring huge points, but he's three out of three as far as uh, clutch games. So, you know, he's somebody that, you know, it's kind of putting some sneaky points there on the board that you probably have as maybe your wide receiver three, maybe even later than that. Right. Um, you know, I was just going down the list looking for some guys that are not having a very good year. And, you know, it seems like this guy's in every other year, but maybe as we talked about, Ron, I know this is painful to you, but T.Y. Hilton, one for five, 20% consistency, you know, I saw him make a few catch in the Browns games when I was watching, but it just, you know, he doesn't get that, doesn't seem to have that burst. He's not getting those bombs anymore. Uh, you know, again, I think we've asked this question, but is somebody going to step up in Indy and be the receiver? We thought it was going to be Parrish Campbell, but he got hurt. So who's our best bet? Mo Alley Cox? I mean, <laughs> what do we have in Indy, man? <laughs> Uh, well, you got Michael Pittman out. Oh, yeah, right. And Pittman's out, too, right. And so Sunday, that's why I said, why is Hill not doing well? Right. Well, Sunday's the first Colts game that I actually got to sit down and watch the entire okay. thing. They haven't been on here in Florida. And it looked to me like they really had a plan to get Hilton the ball quite often. It looked like they were going to him quite a bit early. And you're right. He just doesn't look explosive. He doesn't look like he's got that, that extra gear that he used to have. I, the, the Colts' pass offense is a mess overall. You know, the, Mo Ali Cox, I don't believe. He, I think he was maybe targeted one time. I don't think he even had a catch. Right. Uh, you got guys like Zach Pascal out there. But Phillip Rivers looks like a mess. Naheem yeah. Hines has sucked. I know we were trying to nab Naheem Hines late in drafts, you and I, Bob, and mm-hmm. that has not panned out at all. Naheem Hines has, has been collecting dust on my bench. In right. some leagues, I've even got rid of him. I, I don't really know what the issue is. Um, the offensive line didn't look that great. Of course, Anthony Costanzo was out last week. But I think part of it is just that he doesn't have – I think part of it is he doesn't have that rapport with Phillip Rivers, and I don't know if it's because – Philip Rivers just isn't as talented as, it, as advertised and is not living up to that $25 million bucks he's making this year. Right. But the Colts' pass offense is an absolute nightmare. Right. All right, so, David, let's talk about one other quarterback or wide receiver. And, and I'll preface this by apologizing to everybody who read my guide, everybody that listened to everything I talked about this summer, because I was so high on this guy coming back. I thought for sure he was going to be healthy. He's going to be ready. He got this rookie quarterback who's got a hell of an arm, smart kid, and that is A.J. Green. He's 0 for 5. He got hurt again. Um, kind of like T.Y. Hilton. Is A.J. Green done? Can, can we have any hope that even if he does get healthy, 
that he's going to come back to be even 75% of what he was? Well, I'll tell you this. If A.J. Green is still on your roster, I'm sorry, because you're about three weeks too late. (laughs) He he shouldn't even have been drafted anywhere near the first 10 rounds, in my opinion. I didn't have a single share of A.J. Green. I'm also an ageist. I don't like 30-plus receivers, especially ones with injury histories. But at this point, it's clear he's he's not even anywhere close to being the number two. Um, T. Higgins, at this point... He's the number two, but at a certain point, he could become the number one fantasy receiver for this team. He's a rookie, and he is just playing way over his head right now. So Mm -hmm. I'm all in on T. Higgins. The test for me was this Baltimore game, right? I didn't want to play any of my Bengals. I have a lot of T. Higgins. And I didn't want to play him. But even in a tough matchup, team scored three points. Burrow, 183 passing yards. Season low in completions. Season low in attempts. Higgins still went out, put up four for 62, hit 10 fantasy points. He said double digits three weeks in a row. So I'm all in on T. Higgins. Go look at that uh, schedule down the stretch, too. Week 11 through 14, he's got the football team, the Giants, the Dolphins, and then week 14, first week of the fantasy playoffs, faces the Dallas Cowboys. Nice. Yeah, well, so the interesting thing is I did draft him, and so I'll, I'll, I'll apologize. I did draft A.J. Green in a lot of leagues. Uh, I have to be honest, I probably didn't draft him too far before the 10th round. I usually was drafting him as my wide receiver four because not a lot of people had any love for him. But I will say I was smart enough that in rounds like 13 and 14, I was drafting T. Higgins because <laughs> I was like, yeah, I better get just in case this doesn't work out. So I was confident, but I was also smart about it, you know, kind of like, uh, I love you, AJ Green, but I don't love you that much. So, yeah. So, yes, I'm now starting T. Higgins, just just so you know. Um, all right, let's move on to the tight end position. And you know, once again, I have to apologize. I really saw last year the numbers proved it that there was so much good depth at tight end, so much good depth, so many guys you could count on: Zach Ertz, Jared Cook, Austin Hooper, O.J. Howard. You know, Dallas Goddard, uh, Tyler, or not Tyler Eifert. Um, where's the guy who's like, Tyler Higby. Um, you know, there was just so many players that looked like they were coming up and going to become a consistent factor. There were more tight ends last year that were over 60% consistent than there had been in the last five. And I was really excited. I'm like, you know what? You can go out there, and I drafted – you know, Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry and, you know, um, gosh, who else did I get? That was my two guys I liked the most. Now, granted, Ingram 17th, but he's three for five. That's 60%. That's actually pretty good for most tight ends. Um, Hunter Henry, four for five, 80%. He's certainly been holding his own. But the rest of these guys are just outside of Kelsey and Darren Waller. I mean, Mark Andrews is third. In total points, but he's only sixty percent. Um, and then you got a dude like Robert Tanyan from Ron, Indiana State University, home of the Sycamores, Tarot, Indiana. There you go. Obviously, if, if you can't tell David, that's where Ron's from. Um, <laughs> so that's his pride and joy. Robert Tanyan yes. coming in the number four spot, seventy-five percent consistent. Jimmy Graham all of a sudden became the next Lazarus. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, you know, just a mess. And like you said, and here's the sad part. So in the top 12, 
in fantasy points. 11th spot, Tyler Higby, 49.7, 20% consistent, 1 for 5. One huge game, hasn't done anything. George Kittle, 1 for 3. Uh, Mike Kosicki, 5th overall in total points, 40% consistent. It's just a hot mess this year. So we'll see if these guys can kind of pick it up, get things settled. But right now, if you don't have Kelsey or Waller or Robert Tanyan, I guess, um, you're, or like I said, Hunter Henry's 80%, so I give him some respect. But beyond that, it's a hot mess. David, what, do you, what did you do at tight end when you were drafting this year? Did you just – was you just the smart – hopefully the smart guy and just said, you know what, I'm just going to draft Kelsey at the second, third spot, you know, second, third, third round, and I'll just worry about everybody else from there. Well, if, if you follow me a little bit on Twitter, even in my bio, I've had this since I started, a top tight end means more than you think. And I was <laughs> drafting Travis Kelsey and George Kittle all over the place. I'm there in 10 leagues this year. I got Travis Kelsey starting in three of them. I got George Kittle starting in three of them. I got Mark Andrews in another. Unfortunately, the only top tight end I didn't get a share of was Darren Waller, mostly because I was drafting Kelsey. But let me keep going here because you talk about the guy, Robert Tanyan, and he's that guy to me who can be that set it and forget it tight end that you leave in your lineup. Because other than that right right now, now, you're you're picking from two guys every week. You probably Mm -hmm. have two on your roster, and it's giving you a headache. Robert Tanyan at this point, Aaron Rodgers is an MVP candidate. They don't have really secondary receivers to rely on, and they're going to continue to scheme Tanyan the ball, I think. For me, what I keep hearkening back to is Matt LaFleur, what did they constantly reference? What offense did they want? to scheme theirs around. They wanted to build it like the San Francisco offense. When they drafted Josiah Deguara, what did they say he wanted to do? They said they want to use him in a Kyle Juszczyk role. What role does that leave Robert Tanyan? Hmm. That leaves him with the George Kittle role. And we can see it, the plays that they're using. It's these short little um, plays where he's running behind the line of scrimmage on play action. They get him the ball in the flat, and they let Robert Tanyan do the work after the catch. They're putting him in easy catch positions where he can get the ball and he can do work. So at this point, I'm all in on Tanyan. I would trade him. I would trade Evan Ingram for Tanyan. I would drop Hayden Hurst for Tanyan. You look at Hayden Hurst, one for five. That was a complete miss by by me this year. I feel bad about that one. Yeah, I was kind of like, um, I don't know if I can trust him. I, I So like I said, I was all in on basically Ingram and Hunter Henry. Every once in a while, I got Waller. If it would just happen to be like the fifth round, I'm like, oh, he's still there. I'll grab him. Uh, but that's about it. Ron, uh, so so David took all of your praise and happiness for your boy, but that's okay. So there's a lot more love being spread for Robert Tanyan here uh, from Indiana State Sycamores. And what are your thoughts? What How has your tight ends been going this year? Who did you well, get and how are they working out? I don't think it's an accident that the leagues I'm doing well in, I have Kelsey Waller. Or Andrews, um, yeah, or Kosicki, have him in one as well. I don't think that's a coincidence. And, and you know, if you had your crystal ball out before the season started, you, those are the guys you're going after. I was big on Darren Waller going in just because I knew they were going to be starting two rookie receivers. Mm-hmm. I knew they were going to have to throw the ball, and that's kind of proven to, to be true. And so I, I figured that, that volume would be there for Darren Waller. I also like Mark Andrews a little bit. If you wanted to wait a little while after Kelsey's and the Kittles of the world are off the board, you could get them, I thought, a decent enough value 
you know, we talked a little bit about Lamar Jackson not being what he was last year, but Mark Andrews has still been solid enough overall. You know, he's only been 60% consistent, so we'd like to see that a little higher. But still, five games, he's got three clutch games out of the five. Um, we'll take that. But it's, it, you know, it's in the leagues that I didn't get those guys, you know, kind of like you said, I was getting Evan Ingram. I was getting Tyler Higbee. I think I had John U. Smith in one who's actually three for three, so he's pretty solid. He's a little yeah, right, down. yeah. Kind of forgot Just about him because he's playing tonight. Right, yeah. sure, right. But, like, TJ Hawkinson was a guy that I thought was going to be solid. So th- those middle round guys that you were trying to mix and match, it seems like that when I have a couple of those on my team, I always guess completely wrong, uh, and I pick the wrong matchup every week. But yeah, if you got those, like like David said, if you got those set it and forget it guys, y- your fantasy football life is a lot less stressful this year. Gotcha. No, and I totally agree. And you know, like you said, I guess the one I, I want to get your thoughts real quick. We got about four minutes left, so we got a little bit of time. We don't want to spend a lot on it, but. I got. I have to say, if I was going to pick the guy that's been the most disappointing, and I'm, I'm not going to say he's horribly disappointing because I didn't think that he really was going to put up good enough numbers because of the fact that Dallas Goddard is in Philadelphia. Now he's hurt now, so it might help. But I wasn't in on Zach Ertz in anything because I just felt like, heck, I could get Goddard five rounds later, and they were both 67% consistent last year. Goddard or Ertz so far, 16th in total points, has played all five games, two for five. Um, anybody else outside of Ertz or you, are you in on Ertz as being your most disappointing tight ends, at least so far this year, David? Oh, absolutely. It's gotta be Ertz. I mean, at this point, it looks like he benefits from Dallas Gardner's presence. It doesn't look like Ertz is good enough to, to lead a receiving stable. So Mm -hmm. at this point, if you have Ertz, you're stuck. You're just waiting for Goddard and Rager to come back and maybe add some life into this offense. Right. But I, I feel bad for you if you took Zach Ertz because he he was one of the few top tight ends who didn't pan out. Because if you were if you were spending a pick on a top tight end, it was Kelsey Kittle, Waller, Andrews, or Ertz. And I'm sorry, Ertz is the one who was busted <laughs> right. this year. You are the weakest link. Goodbye, <laughs> um, Ron. Zertz, you're most disappointing, or you got somebody uh, else that you feel maybe deserves that nomination? I mean, I was kind of lukewarm on Zach Ertz anyway. I wasn't really yeah, targeting right. him. I wasn't really fading him anyway. It was just kind of he was there, and I needed to tie in. I felt like the value was good because I'm not a huge uh, – obviously, I didn't, wasn't a huge believer in their wide receiver core, and I thought that that would lead to him and Dallas Goddard getting more targets, more volume, and it really hasn't worked out that way. But I'm going to pick on a guy that, Bob, you and I liked in the late rounds. We kind of got as maybe our tight end, too. And not to say that we expected, you know, Kelsey-type numbers out of this guy, but with the way the pass offense in Carolina has looked, right. i got to say I'm really disappointed in Ian Thomas. I uh, thought Ian Thomas yeah, was going right. to be a great value step up a little bit. He is 0 for 5 in clutch games. He has a whopping 14 fantasy points in a season. So, luckily, he's one of those guys that we drafted that – you know, if we needed to right. jettison for somebody else in a waiver wire, it's not a huge issue. We weren't really starting. <laughs> and we did anywhere. it <laughs> Yeah, he, he was gone probably after week two. So it, it, that's kind of shocking to see just based upon the numbers that the, the pass offense in Carolina is putting up. I would have thought Ian Thomas might, even in a PPR, maybe would have had you know a few more receptions than what he has. But I'd say outside of those top guys, he's definitely a guy that I pegged that I thought I could get some production out of and maybe do that mix and match stuff with that hasn't really done anything right. for me. No, and Chris Herndon too. Chris Herndon yes. too. Oh, for five, right. man. Come on. Yeah, right. No, I, and I really thought he would come back, you know, be healthy. And, and, you know, he seemed to match up well with Darnold last year in the in the times that he was on the field. And, yeah, he's just, you know, done nothing. But like I said, I, 
uh, I, as soon as Adam Gase goes to a team, I just completely give up on that offense because <laughs> I just know he's going to make – Yeah, he just makes – he just destroys it. I just don't get it. Anyway, um, maybe Woody Johnson – I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got about a minute left. So, David, once again, tell everybody where they can find your article to, uh, there on Big Guy Fantasy Sports and your Twitter and all that happy stuff and wherever else you're writing, whatever else you're writing to as well. Yeah, if you just want to check out the website, it's gurufantasyworld.blogspot.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at gurufantasyworld with no O, just W-R-L-D. Nice. All right, Ron, tell everybody where they can find you, what you're doing. Well, obviously, big guy fantasy sports. Find me at the Real Monday on Twitter. Um, hopefully, Colby and I can get this kit consistently cashing to be consistently cashing more than just one week at a time. So we'll hopefully get back on the winning side of things this coming week. And uh, look for after the World Series, we're going to start doing myself, Van Lee, uh, Brian Vaughn on the fantasy uh, baseball show. We're going to start previewing your minor league systems because it's already that time to get prep for next year's fantasy baseball season definitely and um also this week big guy fantasy sports our new writer bobby smith will be doing the flukes and the flames so make sure you check that out later in the week and of course on saturday as ron mentioned consistently cashing and also the prop bed podcast and our back up again this weekend everybody have a great week take care god bless